right. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Patrick Falk, and welcome to the Everyday Teacher Podcast. Uh, the purpose of this podcast is to take a look at what a everyday teacher has to deal with in the classroom, in the education community, and uh, my hope is to offer some perspective in what a teacher has to deal with. If anything, what this pandemic has certainly conveyed to a lot of parents is what a teacher has to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. So that was really the uh, impetus behind this. Um, it was inspired by me not wanting to write, although it's important for a teacher to write, to reflect, but I think this medium uh, is, is really comfortable for me, and uh, I'm really excited uh, to do this uh, today. And I have a very uh, special uh, guest as my first guest. I couldn't think of anybody better to have on with me is uh, Coach John Lester. Uh, Coach Lester and I go way back. Uh, back, I met him in the fall of 91. It might have been 92. He'll, he'll probably correct me on that. But uh, Coach is uh, somebody very close to me. He is a dear friend. He is a mentor. He's actually the one that got me into teaching. And he is somebody I can consistently rely on to ask for advice. Um, and it's important as teachers, regardless of how many years you have in the bank, that you have people you can lean on that can give you that wisdom and uh, tell you when you're doing things wrong and give you perspective. So I'm really honored to have him with me here today to uh, join in on the fun. So this is the first episode. I have no idea how this is going to sound, and that's totally rad. I'm totally excited to get this going. So I would like to introduce to everybody here, Coach John Lester. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Patrick, for having me on today. Yeah. Um, so let's let's get right into it. Just if you would be so kind to tell our listener or listeners, hopefully, um, give us kind of a rundown of your teaching career. What got you into teaching, and when do you plan on stop teaching, if that's even a possibility? Well, for for me, I was as a, as a young kid, I was totally into history, uh, reading history books when I was little, and. Uh, I started actually coaching when I was in high school, working with middle school kids, and that kind of put two components together that convinced me that education was the area that I needed to go into. Uh, education had been in my family. My, my mom was a teacher uh, early on. My, uh, my uncle was a teacher for, for many, many years. Uh, at Mission Viejo High School and El Toro High School, and uh, so it was a good fit for me. I've been teaching now for uh, 36 years, and uh, spent my first four years at Santa Margarita Catholic High School in Rancho Santa Margarita, and then I've been at Laguna Hills for the last 32 years. I have a uh, social studies credential and also a math supplemental, so over the last 30 years, I think I've I've taught in both departments and probably taught so in the area of about 12 different subject matters in the last three decades. Yeah, it's crazy to think, and and, and Coach has got a couple years on me, not many, but um, to be in the ball game for 36 years is, is amazing, and and I can tell you uh, firsthand, uh, Coach Lester was my a mentor teacher when I was doing my student teaching and one thing uh, kids learned and he, kids uh, got his respect right away and I think you know when you're going into teaching 
when you have those strong teachers in your uh, in your side, uh, kind of bringing you along, you can really learn a lot of uh, classroom management skills that I think are so important in uh, today's classroom. So, um, and we got to give a shout out, go Hawks. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I, I went to Lugunillos High School. That's actually how I met Coach. Um, I was uh, already one year removed, but I came back and was kind of bebopping around, and I actually got an opportunity to coach with. Coach Lester, and really from that point forward, we became good friends. And uh, again, he's he's been in a, been a big mentor in my life. So again, I can can't say that enough. So, so kind of switching gears here, we are looking at the pandemic. Obviously, it it hit pretty hard. It put uh, the state of education in uh, a moment of panic, not pivot. I think uh, where most of the time we want to pivot and not panic. So um, as uh, word came down uh, to uh, you and the staff over at uh, Luganales High School, um, what were some of your first thoughts of what this whole distant learning uh, process was going to look like? And um, what were some of the early hurdles that you personally had to face to uh, get this ball rolling? Um, well, it's an interesting perspective because uh, I'm a teacher. My wife's a second grade teacher. Uh, I've got a daughter in college, one in high school, one in middle school. And so I kind of saw everything from everyone's perspective. Um, for me, um, the transition was uh, very simple. Uh, my students were already used to using Google Classroom, we use the technology on a regular basis in my classroom. Um, and so the transition for my students, I think was uh, pretty quick and to the point. Um, I'm a very big believer on having a routine and that way the students kind of know what to expect and they don't feel like they're getting curveballs from left field. Uh, I think one of the trickiest parts of watching some of my, my kids go through it, every teacher, some really struggled with the transition and they didn't know how to roll things out to their kids. And, and when the students were having a tough time following what the teachers were doing, that was a challenge. Um, so for me, I wanted to make sure that what the students were getting from me was very straightforward, very easy to follow. And, um, and I think that was what led to success for my kids. My students did a great job of uh, transitioning to distance learning and, and stand on task for the most part. I was very pleased with that. Yeah, I think the consensus being uh, is that uh, the teachers that had already embraced technology or their district had embraced technology certainly were uh, hitting the ground running. And I think, uh, I know, uh, as, as you know, I teach in the virtual space now and having brick and mortar experience and now virtual experience, I certainly got a few phone calls. Um, obviously the big difference in my, uh, you know, genre of teaching is that we already have an online built curriculum and, uh, like you coach, you know, my, my daughter is a seventh grader and the, the twins are in third grade. And, um, I was actually very impressed with how, uh, those teachers were able to uh, not panic and pivot and be able to provide 
um, good curriculum. I mean, you're not going to obviously get the same level of rigor. There's an educational buzzword people rigor, uh, is that, uh, but they got a good foundation teaching. And, um, I can honestly say, I think this, the teachers, my kids had did a really, really good job of, of pivoting, not panicking. So with that being said, you know, what do you, what is your best guess? I guess we'll, we'll kind of look at a couple of different ways. Best guess, best case scenario for you, but more than likely, what, what's, what do you hear out there as, as what school models are going to look like in the fall? Well, I, I think we're looking at a hybrid system um, that will reduce class sizes, but still put the students uh, in the classroom with the teacher uh, at least on a weekly basis. Um, when I look at what we went through, it was kind of different models for different grade levels. At the high school level, they wanted uh, teachers to roll out lesson plans where the students could do it at any time, um, that they didn't have to be on a Zoom at a certain time to get certain instruction. Um, whereas we know elementary school, middle school students got a lot more direct instruction, but they only had one teacher. So like for my wife, she had daily reading groups with her second graders. Um, we didn't quite have the flexibility with high school with having multiple classes and therefore, probably the link that we missed in distance learning was the connection to our students. Um, I still had weekly um, office hours and tried to do like group uh, cahoots and things like that. And participation at the high school level wasn't, uh, wasn't super high. And so where I think we missed the most with our students is that connection um, so that we could, you know, engage in some of the things that were going on. And I could also get feedback from the students as to how they were doing. Um, you know, some of the students uh, would contact me and I could tell I'm struggling or I'm not struggling and this is really easy. And I would, I would put out questionnaires to kind of pull them. How's the workload? Is it too much? Is it too little? Um, and, and most of my students were very um, straightforward with me and saying, no, the workload is good. It's really not over challenging and so forth. But I couldn't get that direct contact with them, which I think is what we're going right. to need moving forward. Um, it, it's just a huge part of education. And if you ask the students, um, you know, like my seventh graders not wasn't a big fan of school. And it's funny when I listened to her last week and she's like, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I really <laughs> miss school. And it's, it's changed people's perspectives uh, sure. quite a bit. Yeah. I, and, and that's, and, and there's kind of the great, you know, it, it, to your point, you know, missing the boat is, you know, as well as I do, most of your success as a teacher is relationship and, and, and bonds that you build with your students. Um, you know, as well as I do, if you do not have that bridge of trust that the two of you can walk over or even meet somewhere in the middle, uh, it, it's hard to get them to buy in. And I think, uh, you know, students will learn from teachers they like students won't learn from teachers they don't like. And, um, I know uh, you, you can't reach them all. Kids are going to have their own 
a set of circumstances, a backstory, but you're absolutely right. The human element is something that is so, uh, so important in, in getting kids to buy in, especially when we've essentially, uh, you know, blown up their daily routine. Kids need to go to school uh, sometimes just to get away from home. And, and yeah. now that element uh, is gone. You know, school becomes a, a refuge. And um, kids, a Zoom room is not a refuge, uh, no. you know, um, which, which is, you know, un unfortunate. But again, I, I, I don't want to totally dismantle the fact that, you know, thankfully the technology is available where, there was still opportunities for connection points. And I think as the student gets older, you know, and, and, and again, depending on what, what, what the accountability part of is, and that, that's something else that certainly, uh, I'm sure we could talk hours on is the accountability part, is that um, if, if the student, especially at the high school level, doesn't necessarily are told that they need to go, and in a position where they can show up and not do anything, um, they're going to take that opportunity. I mean, I certainly saw that in the virtual space where I had a huge drop in attendance, which, and, and you know, to me, I, I kind of take it personally and I probably shouldn't. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, those relationships are, are the key, key component. I, I would say that over the last 30 years, you know, my success as a teacher has been, you know, magnified by the fact that I am a coach on campus and the relationships that I've built by coaching football, coaching basketball, coaching track, there were huge numbers of connections made with the students. But I really prided myself on connecting with the kind of disenfranchised student on campus, the kid that didn't fit into anything. And it was funny, the kids that really struggled in other teachers' classes all kind of gravitated to me in my class. And I, I felt like in this time, those are the fringe students that, that usually relied on me. And I didn't have that daily connection right. with a kid that normally is a, a D student, barely hanging on, has zero right. motivation, uh, isn't, got the connection with other kids on campus, doesn't have the connection with other teachers, and somehow they connect with me. And not having that connection with those kids, I would imagine they probably struggled the most during this time period. No, and, and that's a great point. And, and it's it's funny that you say that. I think I, 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 think I got that from you, uh, you know, whether when I was, my time at Laguna Hills or when I went to Laguna Beach High School afterwards, um, you know, somehow those, those students that you just described found their ways into uh, my classroom. And, and I, and, and, and I think like you, you kind of enjoy, you know, making those relationships. I think, uh, being a coach, uh, something that, uh, certainly I think rounds out a teacher. Um, I know there's educators out there that would probably talk to the contrary and that's fine. That's, that's their opinion. But, Coaches, not only uh, coaches on campus specifically, certainly have a much more impact on uh, students, uh, not only the ones that might be playing the sport, but those students that, um, you know, are, are trying to find, uh, you know, what hole uh, that they fit in. And 
Um, no, I, that, that's a great point, Coach, and I appreciate you bringing it up. So um, if uh, your daughter, she graduates college, uh, Gonzaga, right, the Zags, yeah. So uh, she, she goes to you and says, hey, dad, I want to go into education. I have a passion for education. W what advice are you going to give a new teacher looking to go into education? Or you have a new teacher and they're coming to you for advice. What, what are a couple nuggets, you know, a couple morsels that they can chew on that can help them uh, get into this profession? Uh, well, certainly, I, I think my oldest daughter would, uh, she would be a fantastic teacher. I've talked to her numerous times. She, I think she sees some of the struggles that both her parents go through as educators, and she's not sure if she wants to take on some of those issues. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's a challenge, especially um, trying to find a job as an educator. Um, as you know, um, I've mentored a number of student teachers and uh, helping them to find that lifetime job is tricky. And, uh, you know, depending on what area you're going into, it makes it more difficult. If you're, if you're a math major, if you're a science major, there's a lot more opportunities than if you're a, a history major. And so certainly, you know, that's probably one of the trickiest parts of education. Um, but the caveat with that is certainly education is an incredibly rewarding profession to be in. I mean, the, the number of hours you put in and the, the things that you see, you know, when you have students come back and see you 20 years later and, um, for example, I, I, I talk about, I ran into a student at the gym about six months ago, hadn't seen this, uh, this student in years. And he had algebra one with me. And I remember talking about exponential growth. And I was talking <laughs> about uh, the need to invest in retirement. And the more you invest early, the more money you're going to make and explaining how exponential growth right. can relate to real life. And, he goes, I just have to tell you, coach, I haven't seen you in 20 years, but that one lesson has had a profound impact on me because I did exactly what you said and I've already got a million dollars put away. And I'm like, wow. that is just <laughs> Give me some. <laughs> amazing, you know? And, right, that's awesome. Um, but when a student can come back and remember a specific lesson that you right. taught them 20 years later, um, it just goes to show the impact that educators can have on people. And I, you know, with all social media today, it's fun to kind of keep track of your former students and players that right, right. out to you and they're constantly, you know, saying, you know, look at the impact you had on my life. And, sure. and uh, it certainly is, makes it very rewarding because as you know, getting started in education financially, it can be a struggle. You know? Yes, it can. <laughs> there's, a, there's, there's a big hurdle to get over in the beginning, especially if you're graduating from college with uh, $60,000 and or $80,000 in college uh, loans. And, right. and you're looking at starting a job where you're not making half that, you know, right. It's tricky. 
Yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, I can, uh, you know, like you, my mom was a teacher as well, and and it was something I kind of hemmed and hot about. And after spending ten years in corporate America, due to some some things going on in the corporate world, it, it kind of really pushed me to make any decision I probably should have made, you know, several years earlier. And I remember I was actually on my bike when I called you and said, Hey coach, I want to go into teaching. What do I do? And you're like, Hey, first you got to get your credential and then, you know, come do your teaching with me and, you know, and, and the rest as they say is history. And, and obviously at some point, you know, I'll dive into my interesting educational career. Um, but again, the, I'm, this is technically my 10th year of teaching, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, but uh, to, to, again, just to kind of have you uh, alongside has been great. And, um, you know, I love coming back. And it's, it's not, uh, was it P18? Was that, was that P, P18, right? Portable 18 in the early days. Yeah, Portable 18. Um, you know, those were good times. And, uh, you know, now you're in the, 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 the 405, 403. 403, the old 403. science building that was yeah. uh, converted into the social studies building. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's awesome. So um, as we kind of wrap things up, um, I found this quote that I, I really like. And I think it, it can, I think so often in education, we want to put kids in boxes. And uh, as I've seen in, in the virtual space, the different type of kid that I'm dealing with, um, it's not that they didn't have success at a brick and mortar school, but they just, for whatever reason, didn't fit that environment. And so they made the transition to a virtual environment. But I think this quote really lends itself to every um, learner out there. And, and the quote is this. And just to give you some quick background, this was done actually by a high school student. Um, she was 16 years old and uh, she created her own podcast for a project in, in high school. And um, it was basically a day in the life of a, a student, if you will. And she says the following, I hate doing school, but I love learning. So how, listening, listening to those words, and again, coming from a 16-year-old high school student, you know, somebody you have taught and I have taught and are currently teaching, what do you think that means to them? And then as teachers, how do we digest that? And then, you know, I don't know, maybe empathize or maybe just kind of help better understand the student we're teaching today. Well, as a U.S. history teacher, I'm always looking for ways to have these historical lessons connect to kids. If they... Uh, are interested in learning about a certain subject matter, uh, they'll connect in more. So whether it's, you know, um, obviously with everything going on today, the civil rights movement is, is huge. Um, I find with um, our growing Hispanic uh, population in Southern California, uh, helping them connect to uh, Hispanic history in Southern California is uh is is a major thing uh but also making it fun um they they've got to connect to the fun part of it so you know for example every year in the in the 1960s when i'm teaching about the counterculture i surprise the kids and dress up as a hippie and and teach his country joe all day yes and i i think that lesson plan more than anything else 
um, students don't care. They don't think I'm at school today. They, they're just connected to the learning of, you know, why did everybody go in a completely different direction in the 1960s? Right. What triggered it and why was it so radically different? And if you can kind of try and make that come to life for them, then it's not about school. It's about learning. And so I'm always trying to find ways to make the learning connection more than the school connection. Yeah. And, and one of the things that comes to mind is, is the infamous re Gettysburg reenactment where really it ends up just turning into a giant dodgeball game, but um, just stuff like that. And, and real quickly, for those who are listening, the, the lesson is simple as we divide classes up. One class might be the South, the other class might be the North and we reenact on the football field, this, the you know three day epic battle uh, of Gettysburg and, and it ends with somebody reciting the, the the you know one of the greatest speeches of all time the Gettysburg Address. But what's interesting is is part of the reflection component as kids begin to slowly but surely understand war. Now, um, uh, Coach, I'm sure you've had students that go into the military. I know I have and uh, still uh, keeping in touch with them and, and see, and, and they've seen stuff overseas. Um, but to your point, they, they, they talk about that, that, that type of lesson because for a moment, uh, how minuscule it might've been, it put them in the shoes of a 23 year old kid from Virginia or a 27 year old from Pennsylvania uh, to where they were forced to essentially face off across, you know, brothers and cousins and friends. So I, I agree, coach. I think, you know, with, you know, I, I shouldn't say this as a teacher, but I hate school at times too. The paperwork, putting in grades, having to grade, you know, those are the logistical cogs that need to keep spinning. But, you know, like you, and, and again, you know, having you and, 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 and coach Weinberger as my mentor teachers and working alongside Kirk, uh, Kirk Brown, who hopefully will be on this as well. Um, you know, really having an opportunity to collaborate to make learning fun uh, is what keeps keeps them coming back. So, so coach, any any final thoughts that you'd like to depart on on the world as far as what an everyday teacher has to deal with? Well, the the world as we know is changing dramatically and changing quickly, and uh, and for teachers. Uh, First of all, the respect of teachers that have, uh, as you said, pivoted very quickly. And, you know, even from the Gettysburg simulation, um, what was something we've done at, that, at Laguna Hills High School for decades is something that we've probably now phased out because of the, uh, the changes that we've seen in our country um, just in recent weeks here. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, just out of respect for for every student and what they um, they need to be able to say and what everyone needs to be able to hear, um, um, we have to respect every student and and what they bring to the table and and our environment in the classroom is changing daily and uh, so the the most important thing for us as teachers is we have to change daily with them and. That's the thing that we're always learning, always learning new ways to do things, always learning better ways to do things, and uh, constantly pivoting to uh, to meet our students where they're at. And uh, when we come back in August, it's it's going to be a very different 
environment than when we left in the uh, beginning part of March. Um, it was funny, I was up on campus yesterday and even in the main office, all the St. Patrick's Day decorations are still up. And <laughs> nice. said, how great is this? It's eternal St. Patrick's Day. As, exactly. uh, as many of my students know, I dress up as a leprechaun every year for St. Patrick's Day and uh, teach as, as a leprechaun. So um, it's just one of those things where as the world changes, so do we. Yeah, no, that, that, those, those are some great words, Coach. Yeah, I think, you know, right now uh, we're a piece of driftwood going down a river and there are rapids ahead and there's cool waters ahead and there is a fork in the river and, you know, there's definitely going to be a lot of different challenges that fa face all academic communities, not just high school, not just elementary, junior high. Um, colleges uh, will have to change the way they do academic, even we in the virtual space, you know, will have to change as well. So um, coach, I just want to say thank you for you taking the time out of your day today to sit down and chat with me. Um, again, uh, this will never be, this won't be our last conversation. I'll probably bug you next week about who knows what, but um, again, uh, from the bottom of my heart, you know, I, I, I really appreciated our 30 years of friendship and and it's it's been great and knowing that i can uh, you know call you up and be like hey i'm thinking this thinking that and still being able to collaborate um is 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 really awesome i i feel very fortunate and blessed uh that you've been a, a very pivotal figure in my life so i thank you for doing this i really appreciate it yeah and it's fun even after all these years we're still sharing lesson plans constantly and uh and any way to try and make our classroom better and connect to our students better is uh, is great and uh, thank you for your 30 years of friendship also awesome awesome all right folks well that's all we have for today hopefully uh, you've uh, found some of this insightful um uh we'll be looking to post something every week uh different teachers different topics um but again the whole purpose of this is just to give you a, a peek behind the curtain if you will of what a teacher deals with on a day-to-day -day basis. And uh, we look forward to talking with you next time. Thank you for joining us.